Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, a podcast where we dig you out of your backlog before it burns you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the Abu and Iago to my Aladdin. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. Wait, am I the monkey or the bird? Which one of you does the best Gilbert Gottfried? Oh, I'm not even trying. My throat will not forgive me. It's definitely not me. I think I can do the ACDC guy, but I can't do Gilbert Gottfried, even though they're kind of related. Yeah, I'm not even going to subject you to my attempt. <laughs> Today, we're covering two locations in Kingdom Hearts 1, Agrabah and Monstro, which are two of the media sections in the game. If you were to, if I were to describe these after the first section, is now that we've kind of got the introduction out of the way, they start trying a little bit more story. These are still very self-contained, but they start actually containing parts that matter. Mm-hmm. These two levels are also some of the longest levels, just in terms of flat gameplay. Agrabah is a lot of screens. Monstro is a lot of screens. Monstro is terrible to navigate. But also, I think these have Agrabah. At least kind of has, even though it's a little bit disjointed, has the most of. It's host movie story in it than uh, of any of the worlds, really. We'll get to that as, as we go in. But so I might I might have an argument over that, but it definitely has a lot in it more than anything we've seen up to now. Yeah, definitely. Agrabah is what I would describe as the most so far, but it is there and it's probably one of the more coherent. So I think that comes with its own issues that I want to discuss as well. So let's get to that then. In the last episode, we finished by closing the keyhole in Traverse Town, uh, which gave us the last Navigee we needed to fly in the wormhole to another part of the map. Finally, we're out of that first ring. Yes. Are we stuck going to Agrabah right away, or do you actually get the pick? I feel like it's the um, hub we hit. It depends on which wormhole you go through. There's two wormholes you can go through. If you leave going north from Traverse Town to Wonderland, we'll drop you off in a line in between Agrabah and Halloween Town. And the one in between Coliseum and Deep Jungle will drop you off between Agrabah and Monstro. But if you're going straight, you don't change directions, you will probably hit Agrabah first, regardless of which one you go into. So it's kind of like puts you in a direction towards it? Mm-hmm. Agrabah is the one you're most likely to hit, and it's also the one with the uh, lowest difficulty level of all the ones on this side of the world. I'm still not sure how much I believe the difficulty levels. I think it's just the uh, creator saying, you want to go with this one? No, really. It's also probably based on the relative strength of the monsters there. That doesn't always translate when things like Wonderland spams a ton of monsters at you all at once. And then the Coliseum is literally just scripted encounters. There's definitely some games which have a problem with self-evaluating difficulty. As somebody who's into music games and Bimani games and stuff like that, there's always kind of the, you know, the out-of-depth songs that Mm -hmm. are far harder than their difficulty rating might otherwise indicate. Yep. And and since it's an action RPG, it can't just rely entirely on numbers go up. Mm -hmm. Of course, in any RPG, skill level matters, but the the less action there is, the more menu-based it is, the easier numbers go up and control it. Yep. So we... Drop off an Agrabah, which I would personally describe as annoyingly large. As I said, it's probably one of the largest levels in the game. Agrabah, even its world map icon really gives you a clue there, because each time you can see a little planet with something sticking out of it, like Coliseum, you just see the big building, or Wonderland, you kind of see like the Queen's Court there. Agrabah has two spots. Like on top, you see literally Agrabah itself, the city, and the bottom, you see the Cave of Wonders. So it kind of mm-hmm. tells you it's cut into two big chunks, and that really is how they You start off in the city. I had the Go funny ahead. thought of, uh, I suppose the relationship between the old Prince of Persia games and a lot of the Aladdin myth. I'm hmm. wondering how connected they are. 
probably somewhere. Well, the myth is a lot more complex. First off, there's two genies of the original story. Yeah. Oh, I didn't genie even of the lamp that. and genie of the ring. And and this is one where I'm not as much of an expert in some, but that kind of gets you all over the place. You got an evil vizier, but if you looked at the knockoffs from the time, pretty much every time Disney made an anime movie, you got a whole bunch of bootlegs made after it, mm-hmm. and they would tend to go into the myths of these story. So you would get these badly made weird stories with all sorts of things going on. Double genies, like a castle that he's basically lands all but trapped the princess in the living, but she's okay with it and mm-hmm. that's just the thousand one tales has some particularly complex stories mm-hmm. did they actually get robin williams to voice genie in this by the way no they did not no uh, genie is voiced by his usual voice actor in the tv show and the second movie the direct-to-video return to jafar dan castanaletta did i pronounce and that right castanaletta i believe is understand but that's always an interesting one because i gotta say as a kid as much as i like simpsons i never really heard homer's voice in that and i was a mild fan of the animated series Yep. When you hear yeah. them back to back, they're very different. Castellanos, oh, he's a very good voice actor. He's not as good an impressionist, so he tends to sound a bit more samey with it. Mm-hmm. And he, you can hear that husky Homer voice in occasionally, especially when he starts <laughs> yelling. Like it's mm-hmm. that big sound, in lack of a better word. Yep. But, so that's one where they actually had an advantage. Jerry had an existing voice actor they were using. Actually, that's kind of the case with a lot of voice actors. When they have a existing voice actor that isn't a huge name, they tend to go for that voice actor. Said So I gotta say, Agrabah, I kind of like it. The Agrabah section, the city is pretty big. It's not like sprawling point you can't find anything. It might be one of the only good platforming sections. Yeah. It's the best vertical maze, because there's multiple entrances and exits to almost all of the areas, or they kind of go in a straight line, like, down the city street. So you're always kind of knowing where you'll come out. It's one of the clearest maps. It doesn't feel like a chaos maze, right? (laughs) Yeah, this is one of the few mazes that doesn't feel like a chaos maze. At least the city does. We'll talk about the Cave of Wonders in a bit. (laughs) The music's kind of strange. It's just kind of vaguely, I guess I would call it setting appropriate. It doesn't really link into any song whatsoever. It's just Mm. kind of this very string-heavy, mysterious. It's trying to to be very much the Arabian Nights song, I think. But, but it doesn't yeah. even try to go near any of the theme. I think uh, the music budget on Kingdom Hearts was not as high as it was in later games in this series. I would agree with that. There's it's some hard to ve- tell. There's Like, Yoko Shimomura is a very good composer. Her work in Super Mario RPG in particular just, like, really stands out to me from before Kingdom Hearts. I don't know if the first Kingdom Hearts is as good as her later work. Well, there it's got a couple stuff. standout pieces. We, we yeah. talked very strongly about Dive to the Heart, about how oh, much yeah. we love that piece. Yeah, there's like, more coming. <laughs> there is more coming that is like damn good Kingdom Hearts music. So what's I, the story of this world? First thing we see is we see some villains, and they're actually, you know, talking about the plot. You got Jafar, and you got Eliphasen, and they're telling us everything that they already should know. They are walking down the street, uh, dumping a bit of exposition. Maleficent warns Jafar not to get eaten by Heartless. I believe I snarked in my notes as much as the whole, as you know, we know this thing is ridiculous. These are both huge egos talking out their butts about how much they like themselves. So it kind of fits. Yeah, I I don't (laughs) mind, as you know, exposition when it's from characters that I feel like makes sense for it to come from. Jafar is enough of a smug snake for that to be the case. And Maleficent... Yeah, Maleficent justifiably thinks everybody but herself is an idiot. Yep. Yeah, we get some big information in this one. Like, the first thing they're talking about is keyholes again. So they're reinforcing that after we just heard about it. And then they also bring up the princess. Iago, he shows up since he can't find Jasmine. The funny thing is, Jafar can't be bothered. He just thinks she's annoying. Maleficent says, no, we need all seven. And she uses the term princesses of a heart to open the final door. Is that the first time we've heard of the princesses of heart? 
I can't remember a ter- the term being used before, but... It is the first time, at least, that we are at a Disney World that has a Disney princess. I well, do think Alice it is, is the first time. Disney's, Disney princess, isn't she? Or is- I, feel like, I feel like I read once Alice was a late replacement, but this is getting into my uh, apocryphal knowledge. And then, like, Maleficent, she buggers off, tells her father, remember, don't get eaten by your minions, which I think she tells all these idiots when she leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are dealing with dark forces they do not know how to really work with. Like, they're kind of making it up as they go, wouldn't you say? It's hard to tell. Like I said, uh, Jafar, he seems to have control over them to some degree. Hades just kind of seems to have set a whole bunch up in a coliseum and let them run wild, so it's hard to tell. And Maleficent is definitely always going around saying, you know, this is dangerous. We need to keep doing this, but this is dangerous, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Maleficent is kind of going around teaching all of these villains to summon and or control Heart Heartless. And so she kind of seems to be, I think, the only one of the Disney villain group that really understands the danger of what they're actually doing. And that's probably why she's the only one who gets to stick around after this game. <laughs> no, spoilers, well, isn't it? There are other ones that show up again, but she's the only one who knows what's going on after this yeah. game. <laughs> she's the only one yeah. who actually seems to care about the plot and tries to affect it. Yep. Do- and remember, they did mention that they have the Ansem report, so that she's clearly been doing you know, her book work. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, in traditional villain blindness due to the camera style. Four feet away from them, hiding behind a barrel, is Jasmine. And remember, they sent out swarms of Heartless during this cutscene, and she's still just sitting there listening. And then we finally get to control Sora, Donald, and Goofy. They show up, and there's Heartless. Hey, guys. Going around Agrabah itself is actually a lot of fun. It's interesting platforming, which is kind of rare in this game. Uh, and it's at this point where I think the fights really start getting a lot more interesting because they mm. start throwing combinations of things with you at you that you have to deal with in different ways. Yep. They have some really good packs of enemies here. There's the fat bandits, which are just sort of bigger, large bodies that also shoot fireballs at you. Shoot fire, spray fire, and aren't as consistently weak in the back, so you really mm-hmm. have to go for the head. And like, they're surrounded by scimitar-wielding normal bandits. Mm-hmm. It's just This is the bandit land. (laughs) Yep. Don't we find the yellow uh, flying magic heartless here? Yeah, but there's how many colors of those guys? Four or five. Mm -hmm. Four in this game plus more in others. I mean, we definitely get them. These ones are lightning. Mm -hmm. I never figured out. Do they have a weakness? You hit them with your sword. So they don't have the (laughs) red-blue switch weakness then. Correct. But also, like, if you're casting spells on a spellcaster, what are you doing? Well, I mean, if you you cast red on blue and blue on a red, you get tech points for it. True, but also, That's what like, I, meant. I mean, the green one is healed by everything, so you have to hit those ones. And you want to hit those ones because they heal everything and heal everything. <laughs> yep, they're annoying. Mm. There's also the air bandits. They're like the first actively flying physical enemy, I think, if it's not mm-hmm. like one of the little like one of the little bells. And boy, those things can be a pain because they just stay out of reach. Yep, and we don't have a good jumping move yet. We get high <laughs> jump at the end of Monstro. And high jump would make navigating this area way too easy. Do you so. have strike rate, though? So strike rate yeah. you get after completing the Pegasus Cup. I think at this point oh, you could probably get strike so, rate. No, because I think you have only had the fill cup so far. Uh, Pegasus Cup unlocks. I feel like the Pegasus Cup gets unlocked after you clear the first part of things. If you can get strike rate early, strike rate is incredibly good. <laughs> strike rate might be the most powerful special move Sora has, because if you can keep it going, it's invincibility frames for days. And since you're throwing your since you're throwing your sword at Boomerang's back, it means it's got lots of range, too. Mm-hmm. It's high range, high power, leaves you invincible. It's basically 
the strongest move in the game. Uh, once you have it, you basically just want to turn Goofy into an MP battery and let Donald hit the floor. Well, Donald's got a hard time. You gotta let him take some naps when you. So that's kind of covers the enemies there. And you're, you're traveling on Agrabah. The map really encourages you to try climbing up on ledges and like staggered roofs and hopping across there. And it's even though platforming can still be a struggle in that game, it's probably one of the most rewarding sections for that. Yeah, I agree. But until you've seen everything, parts of the map are blocked off. So it actually does a good job directing you where to go for the next story section, too. Like what it teaches you the entire layout of the area in a very good way so that once you're actually good to go, you'll know it's only like four or five screens, but you will know those four and five screens and how to get in between each one yeah. in a way that none of the other levels teach you, I think. And the visual design, I think it's more pleasant than, say, Deep Jungle, probably because it's a walled city. So you're not fighting with a big, muddy skybox behind mm -hmm. everything. And the bright yellows and grays, I think, are better conscious than sort of the heavy greens of that one. It feels open at the same time that it's you know, constrained in a yeah. maze. I was just about to say, like, the streets are, like, just the right size and width to make the combat really interesting in this section, too. And I'll say, that's so for what happens next, and the last time it took us to talk about it, we find Jasmine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's only, like, the second, third screen, as I recall. Mm -hmm. It moves the plot along at a pretty steady clip. Basically, Jasmine tells you that this time around, Jafar's taking over everything. She got away, and uh, she heard him talk about the keyhole. Then she mentions her friend Aladdin, which somehow summons Jafar instantly. Oh, no. It's like, oh, that's a name that I found interesting. Where can I find him? He's just right there. It's like his heart was very useless. Apparently, just listening to the only people talking in this deserted city helped. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is this another time you think it's just strange that no one cares about the duck and dog? At the very least, we've established that a parrot can talk in this world. A large bird and a large dog that can both talk probably seems OK to them. It's a small stretch. <laughs> I mean, Jafar, whatever, he's he's met the weird green witch. He's probably fine with that. But no mm -hmm. one else even blinks. Now they're hanging out with a kid. It's probably fine. You immediately get pumped. Jasmine runs away. You get ambushed by a bunch of heartless. <laughs> Eventually, you make your way to Aladdin's house. Which, if you remember the movie, it's kind of a neat set piece. He lives in some sort of gap between like house sections, like a broken into room. There's a roof missing wall there was framing the, the huge broil palace in the background and they do reproduce that pretty faithfully i'd say and there we find a carpet the carpet is stuck under a pot as i recall and you have to use a trinity move to set it free i think it's under i think it's a, a trinity move but since the trinity moves are parceled out by the keyholes you have it by guarantee <laughs> so basically you get the, tr the trinity moves automatically so there's no question you'll be able to do it mm -hmm. and, and then the carpet just buggers out mm -hmm. yeah we find the magic carpet and mm -hmm. we let him go Yep, and so now we're following the carpet. Yay! Well, well, why don't we, we just do? fly into Mordor? Oh, look, you know that perfectly well. He had giant bat monsters. He put cloak guys on, and I'm not really going to keep doing this because I don't want to be that guy anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we follow the carpet. We go out into the desert, and that's where we find Aladdin. We do find Aladdin, but even worse, what we find is the dreaded cutscene weakness because we get to fight a few heartless, but then suddenly there's a bunch more, and we just give up without a fight. Yep. How many Heartless are surrounding us? Like six? I can't be more than that. Mostly because I don't think the uh, cutscene engine could handle more easily. Yeah, because six Heartless is clearly going to completely own us. Aladdin decides to use a wish to get rid of them. Yeah, he says, get rid of these guys. So what do you think happens to the Heartless? The genie then poops away. Maybe genie is, is going to save them for some big musical number later on that we're not going to get to see in this game because we don't have the budget <laughs> for that. Genie, he is an interestingly animated character. Everyone knows what he looks like, and the game wants us to see his animation. Like, they try to do a version of popping out of the lamp. The animation rig is flat. I remember thinking that this scene was really cool back when I was first playing Kingdom Hearts because PS2 games were still new at the time and I didn't know what good CGI in real time looked like yet. But now looking back on it and playing it again, every time I see it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is... 
not good. They are trying their damnedest to make Genie I mean, work I think in he, 3D. He always has a sculpted face because his face is too big to be a texture, I'd say. No, he does. He has a textured face for a good part yeah, of it. I am no, I am no good at seeing those. It, like, it's funny how big it is. Mm-hmm. They are trying really hard to do every single little thing from the movies with Genie. Genie is a 2D character through and through. He is the same kind of breed of cartoon character as Bugs Bunny or that kind of thing. I mean, almost deliberately so. He kind of does Bugs' dress-ups when he does transformations. I mean, yeah. talking Robin Williams, they, they, the animators were trying to keep up with Robin Williams in the original. Uh, Aladdin has just wasted his wish. He poofs six heartless away when Sora, Donald, and Goofy could probably take out 16. But they've uh, given up for some yep, reason. Yep. The heartless have the high ground. It's hopeless. Oh, no. <laughs> Genie goes on about his stick for a bit. He talks about his three wishes. Mm-hmm. And we're just sitting here watching this. Like, Genie replicates up three. Again, the animation, I, I swear you could hear the engine chugging. But And then after about a couple minutes of conversation, you're like, oh, yeah, Jasmine's in danger. Yep, that's right. So you got to go back to Agrabah to help save her. And then we have a little flying scene where they talk about the wish again. And Aladdin makes his traditional promise to free the genie. Mm-hmm. I um, mean, he almost wishes to be a prince, but you actually cut that off. It's like, uh, not now. We can't have Aladdin be a prince right now because we don't have the budget for that. We do not have a second texture or a model. We do, we do not have a second model for Aladdin. We do not have the money for a you got a friend in me or <laughs> make way for Prince Ali segment. We don't have any of that budget. We have to move this shit along. <laughs> so sorry, there's going to be no elephant. I don't even think Abu appears. Uh, he barely appears. He just sort of is there as a monkey. The flogging show continues until morale improves in Agrabah. <laughs> so, we get, so we get back to Agrabah and I believe we're just immediately thrown into more fights. Yep, but now Aladdin's in our party, which I almost never bring along the guest members, as we've said before, just because Trinity marks are a thing. It's sad because sometimes these characters are really good. Aladdin in particular, I believe he's a really good way to get a lot of extra money orbs because he steals from enemies. He's also pretty good with that scimitar yeah, Shamshir or whatever the hell he uses. He's a really strong character, and unfortunately, he's not as good as Donald and Goofy. <laughs> so we, we find Shafar. We find Shafar, and we're trying to save Jasmine. And look, Jasmine's not tied up or beheld. She's behind Jafar, who's kind of just holding his arm in front of her, like, nope, you stay back there. Mm-hmm. So what does Aladdin do? He uses a wish. He just used the most vague wish. Get her out of there. And she's like, okay, just starts caring. He probably could have convinced Jeannie to help him with it. Yeah, like, it's a really weird cut, too. She just starts flying with Jeannie holding her. And I think it's just yeah. the models are gingerly held together. Yep. The Dolls. whole This whole cutscene is actually really weird in my memory. Like, it's... Very clear in my mind because it is so weirdly directed because of all these strange cuts, especially where like all of a sudden Iago just flies by carrying Genie's lamp. Yeah, it's like the Genie's like, wow, this was the easiest two wishes yet. Jafar laughs you. Yes, Iago comes carrying the lamp. You don't see him take it. He just has it. And Lance looking at his hands like, huh, there was a lamp there once. And so the Genie just sadly flies over to Jafar. And but first he <laughs> drops. He just drops Jasmine where she where he had yep. her. She and falls like, in a pot. And he's just like, sorry, Al. <laughs> just drops her. <laughs> she lands in a pot, which grows legs. Eventually yep. that hurts. Yep. And now it's time to fight the pot centipede, which is... is there, I don't like this perk. It's not a hard fight, but it's kind of annoying. There's pieces flying over face. Like this, the pot centipede, as I said, one pot grows legs. These have been pot spider monsters. This is about 20 of them just, just join up in a conga line. Yep. And that's what it is. And they kind of just charge at you. Mm-hmm. And when you hit them, often they, they they fly about and you have to start breaking pieces. As I recall, this is a fight where tech hits start being really important because you need to use tech hits to stun it to deal some damage. All right, that's when it flies apart. Yep. 
Yeah, I remember this fight being both difficult and a little bit annoying because you have to hit Iago flying around with the lamp no, in order to you're win. You're way that's, too early. That's way too, yeah, that's way too early. God, this, that's, that's the, 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 trauma in you, the trauma in your soul. We are that's still in Agrabah. We haven't gone to Cave of Wonders yet. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> that's not till the end. You're skipping to the end. I know you might oh, want sorry. to. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> After we fight the pot centipede, we're heading back out to the desert to go to the Jasmine's Cave of Wonders. Gone. Yeah, so Jasmine's bad, gone. But we know they're in the Cave of Wonders. How? Movies. <laughs> Movies have taught us everything we need to know. There's only two spots on this very tiny planet. Mm-hmm. We, we saw the plot of Aladdin, so we just know. And besides, wouldn't the Cave of Wonders make a great dungeon? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't do that yet. First, we've got to fight it. Yep. First, you have to fight the Cave of Wonders face. Because would it be a great boss fight? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I hate the Cave of Wonders. I had to get my feet back under me for my replay, so I had several problems with Trickmaster and Cerberus. But after that, I was finally getting under. But Cave of Wonders, I lost like six times here. It's, it's a really annoying fight. It's Because, well, we all know what the Cave of Wonders is. That big, ornate lion head with glowing eyes that were the scarab pieces. So how are you going to fight that? Obviously, you got to hit its eyes. But first, you have to get up there. And there's like... Wave after wave after wave of ads in this fight that yeah. just completely they, yeah, they, overwhelm you. Like, they this never is... stop spawning. Bandits on the ground, air bandits in the air. You can climb up out of the Cave of Wonders face through a few of Once you're up there, it's going to start bucking you off. Yep. Oh, and the, don't forget and you the Cave of the... Wonders is also shooting little lasers at you. Well, I but guess those at least can be teched. Yeah, those can be teched, and they're kind of slow moving. But how much do you remember that one, Matt? I guess I remember that the Cave of Wonders entrance itself was alive in the movie, too, and they had to yeah. like do some stuff Talk. to actually you know, calm it down and get in the Only in the one door may enter like here. One whose worth flies far within. A diamond in the rough. I'm trying, but I'm failing. That's why it's so bad. Yeah, yeah. That's why like, the Aladdin, I remember Aladdin that, was but I remember it also being boy. much less of a big deal in the movie than yep. this. It had to be Aladdin. The, no one yeah. else could pass but Aladdin. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, in the movie, it's, you are the protagonist, so you can enter the cave. But Proceed. Touch nothing but the lamp. Here in the game, we have four protagonists, and so we have to attack it. The worst part is if you it takes forever to get up on his head and then you're just white, wailing away at its eyes, which have a lot of health. But then during that, the enemies are spawning beneath you. Yep. Air bandits, you, get- you might be able to manage, but you, but you get thrown off. You're thrown into a mosh pit of bandits. And I died every time that happens. This is why Thunder is your best spell. Even then, though, there were just too many. I mean, yep. I, I usually was using all my my magic on, on healing, too. <laughs> oh, no. Don't do that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, yeah, you're a better player to me. I'll, I, I'll say that right. Let's go into the Cave of Wonders now that we've fought the Cave of Wonders. We're going into the part of the world we're going to be less praising of, I suspect. Uh, the Cave of Wonders is not a chaos maze. Once you understand what's going on, it makes sense. It's just fucking annoying. There's a straight path down to the end, which is where you need to go. And then there is a railless pit in every area. If you fall into it, you have to go into a underground water section Go all the way back to the start, climb up the stairs, and try again. And enemies can knock you into it. And the underground pit is much worsely labeled than the uh, the rest. And you have yep. limitations of where you can go because you can't jump out of water. So yep. you fall in the water, you're swimming back to place you get back out of the water. If you can't tell by all of us complaining about it, the second half of Agrabah is absolutely painful. The part of Agrabah that you're actually going to spend any real time in the end game is Agrabah itself, which is fine because you need to farm pot scorpions to get stuff. The... Cave of Wonders is a pain every single time I have to go in there to try and clear out all these stuff to get completion. I hate this place so much. It doesn't teach you its layout in the same way that the Agra itself did. It, it feels like the 
Agrabah and the Cave of Wonders were designed by two different teams, if I'm being honest. That's a really interesting argument. I guess this is kind of related to the game design thing, where some people say, oh, well, if it's a difficult dungeon, it should be really painful to play, right? Because it should be hard. But I think there's, you know, the difference between being hard because it requires mastery of the mechanics mm-hmm. and hard because something is frustrating. And, and the so Cave of Wonders is an example of the latter. The whole idea of a dungeon where if you fall down, you have to start over from the beginning. I can point to earlier platforming JRPGs where that showed up as well. I feel like Super the Mario RPG and Xenogears both have done that, and it's always mm-hmm. terrible when it comes up. And an extra annoying thing is you really don't go back to the beginning. You can just go up to any sort of stairs and maybe be in the right spot or maybe be in a spot you can't really get anywhere from. And I think there's actually, correct me if I'm wrong, don't you feel like break a pillar when you're underground at least once? You have yeah, to go down you there You do once. have to go down there several times. Yeah. yeah, you have to get something from down there so you can actually get to the final chamber to fight your part. It's not like you can just avoid going down into the bad part of the level. The bad part of the level isn't a punishment. No, you have to go down there at some point, so you have to learn which hole you need to jump into. And you have to learn you can swim up these, like, even though you can't climb up on a platform that's like a foot off the water edge, you can swim up little waterfalls. Yep, Looks and that just reminds that. me, we didn't cover it in Deep Jungle because the swimming section in there is pretty minor, but even before you get to the level that's entirely water, even the regular swimming controls are really annoying. You can't fight. You're moving slowly. If you mash, like, the jump button, you get, like, little bursts of speed, but not much. And you yep. can, can only exit, like, if it's one of those, like, gradual beach-looking, like, paths out. Yep. No, swimming levels are usually a mistake in 3D games unless you, like, really design a good control scheme. It'll be quite a few games before we get to a Kingdom Hearts game where I can say they they nailed underwater fighting. At least for most of the instances of swimming, you're just swimming across the surface. So, mm-hmm. And then later you get, like, a special kick to let you speed things up, but we're not there yet. Yep. And I don't really like to look at the inside of the cave. Like, all the no. top chambers got a lot of fake treasure and got, like, torchlight to them. It's too easy to fall in, especially when a fat bandit shows up and you try and attack it and you just bounce backwards into the pit. Everything that was good about Agrabah is absent in the Cave of Wonders. Well, finally, after all this rigmarole, you finally find yourself in the lamp chamber. Jafar's there, Jasmine's there unconscious, and Maleficent's come for a visit. Jafar uses his wish to get the keyhole. Yeah, luckily he knew where it was because he's in the exact right room. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in the room. He says, Genie, show me the keyhole. And it's right in that room. So I don't think Genie summoned it because it's basically part of the architecture, what they called yep. what was labeled the lamp chamber. So yep. they were really lucky or he asked ahead of time, where do we need to be for this wish? I think the whole conceit is that the keyhole is always in the most important spot in the world. Or like the most important spot that could also be conceivably a keyhole. So anyway. So then Jafar uses his second wish when Sora, Dahl, and Goofy and Aladdin show up, and that wish well, is to crush us. Maleficent's <laughs> like, oh, it's that kid again. Sora takes one look at the, you know, the big green witch and says, oh, you look like a Maleficent. And without a word, she just vanishes. Maleficent does not have time to deal with this shit. And Aladdin, he really wants to be part of the plot of his game again, or his 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 movie. So mm-hmm. he's the one who starts yelling at Jafar. Yep. Jafar makes his wish, tells Genie to crush us. And so now we have... Another annoying fight. <laughs> also notice that in that the Heartless, they just get poofed away, but apparently Genie can't or won't poof you away. Well, so Genie... You did say crush. Uh, oh, oh, in this particular case, Genie obeys the... Letter, letter of the wish. Letter of the wish, but not the spirit of the wish. Suppose Aladdin says, get rid of these guys. 
In this particular thing, Genie will try to crush you, but he's going to warn you whenever he's coming up on you. Basically, he spends the entire fight alternately shouting, look out and begging for your forgiveness. He's like, so sorry, Sora. By the way, Jafar, he's just willing to tell you everything. Like, remember the whole mm-hmm. thing about apparently he lets you himself talk? Because the second you ask for Jazz, like, well, we need the seven princesses of heart. Well, we didn't ask you about that. Yep. No one asked you about that. I'm just making excuses at this point, I think. Go for fair, it. fair. I think part of it is that it's not Jafar's plan. It's Maleficent's plan, and he doesn't really give a shit. That makes what sense. By the way, he's looking for the keyhole. That's going to destroy his world. If he doesn't care about the Prince of Heart, what's he getting out of this? I figure he's... you shrug? <laughs> I figure he thinks that he... So there's the thing. We're told that letting the Heartless in the keyhole will destroy the world. I think that's kind of an oversimplification. It's more that it will, quote-unquote, fall to darkness, and Jafar thinks that he will simply rule in darkness. Or maybe he thinks he can go join Maleficent, like now he gets to be part of the club? Maybe. They can all stay out together and destroy other worlds and be in charge? Whatever Jafar's angle is, it's kind of just, like, not exposited upon. We aren't given enough to go off of. It's a bit tricky, because as a villain, Jafar is basically just naked ambition. He always wants more power, more influence than that. So when you kind of truncate his story and make this funny little Kingdom Hearts version of it, it's just like, I want stuff. Don't ask me why. He wants Keyhole. Jafar demands Keyhole. (sighs) That sounds so wrong. (laughs) While he's letting Genie try to crush you, he also runs to the opposite end of the arena. This is a big, round arena. With about three or four raised platforms, which aren't super easy to get on top of, Jafar floats at all times at the level of the platforms. This is the fight where I got ahead of myself in the earlier boss fight. No, no, that's the next fight. Oh, (laughs) I promise we'll get there. (laughs) But you are on the right track because Jafar's core mechanic is making you chase something. Basically, like, you got Genie, who's kind of slowly chasing you. He's, he's following you, and he kind of shouts warnings, and he kind of swings at you and knocks you down. He'll knock you off the platforms. Yep. Jafar flies around randomly just all around the perimeter of the zone. He's kind of like shooting occasional bolts at you. Yep. And then he'll stop at a platform. And then only then are you going to be able to hit him. Yep. You basically have a few precious moments to get over to the correct platform, hop up and hit him a few times. The fight takes a very long time, and it's not very fun. Yeah. I mean, you're not really at super damage risk. I don't think I was ever like you easily yeah. keep it's, your health. And it's magic not hard, up, but. but it's annoying. <laughs> I don't think magic works on him. Yeah, you're right. He's basically immune to magic. You have to hit him with your sword. That mechanic will come up again. Right after that, when Jafar makes his next wish, the only one that's kind of like as expected from the movie. I want you to make me an all-powerful genie. Sadly, he's not a giant snake when he makes it. So we now get to fight genie Jafar, which is a really cool looking fight. Unfortunately, the only thing that you're actually trying to hit is Iago carrying around Jafar's new lamp. We've we've made it, Matt. We've made yes. it. Yes. I hated this fight so much. It's the, it is the fucking worst. Uh, what we have here is basically you've been knocked down to some sort of a huge lava pit. You're on a bunch of columns, like square columns, like in a grid pattern on there. Mm-hmm. Now, is, am I just remembering Chain of Memories, or do they shift up and down here, too? I think they shift up and down in both. Yeah, possibly. And Genie Jafar is hopping around. Like he's kind of floating around the outside, blasting you. He doesn't do a lot of damage, uh, but he's invincible. Hitting him is worthless. Yep. The only way you can do damage yeah. to him is to yeah. hit his lamp. 
Iago's got the lamp. He's thinking he's in some sort of spell bubble. So you're basically kind of wailing on this flying volleyball. Yeah. The problem is that Iago, even with the spell bubble, is relatively hard to see in the middle of yeah. everything going on. You have and to he, be using your targeting camera effectively mm-hmm. here. And unlike in Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, the targeting camera in Kingdom Hearts is not very good. Because of the moving platforms, he often gets out of reach, too, because you're too low to reach him. Yep. And he has a surprising amount of health, too. Honestly, this fight's probably... Slightly less obnoxious than the first part, but I would describe it as pretty razor's edge. For all the praise I have to say for the level design of Agrabah, all the boss fights are not very good in it. I mean, like I said, as much as I complain about Trickmaster all the way back in Wonderland, Jafar is probably my most hated fight in the game. There's a couple others <laughs> close to it. Are there, but have there been any good fights so far? Well, I enjoyed. I said Cerberus is at least more fun because you actually feel like you're yeah. controlling when you fight him yeah, there. Cerberus, uh, Cerberus feels like a good big 3D boss fight. What was the name of the big Neo Shadow in uh, Traverse Town? That was a oh, fun one. Oh, opposite uh, armor? Yeah, I mean, the armor fights are pretty fun. They're short and not super difficult, but they're kind of fun multi-parts. Like, it's kind of fun wailing on the stealth sneak in Deep Jungle. Yeah, it's just basically, like I said, any fight where you're doing a chase or limited area you can damage mechanic in this game is pretty bad. Because like, basically the camera, the platforming, they're working against you. Yep, and you don't have any of your good traversal moves yet is the other big problem. Like, starting from here on, you start getting good traversal moves uh, after the next level. The problem is, a lot of these traversal moves are things that would have made a lot of the earlier levels too easy, but they would have also made a lot of the earlier fights way more manageable and fun. Mm -hmm. So eventually, you beat the bird enough that he drops the lamp, and then you pick it up and Jafar gets sucked into it. I forgot how many boss fights there were in this world. There's just a lot. Yep. I count four. And when you beat Jafar, you get your first Ansem report. And I have been voted as the best Ansem Kingdom Hearts voice, so I will do the reading for this one. Much of my life has been dedicated to the pursuit of knowledge. That knowledge has guarded this world well. Not a soul doubts that. I am blessed with people's smiles and respect. But though I am called a sage, there are things that I do not understand. I believe darkness sleeps in every heart, no matter how pure. Given the chance the smallest drop can spread and swallow the heart, I have witnessed it many times. Darkness. Darkness of the heart. How is it born? How does it come to affect us so? As ruler of this world, I must find the answers. I must find them before the world is lost to those taken by the darkness. Answer report one. And so... The Ansem reports, we've heard the name Ansem before, and we've heard of the reports before. So whatever this is, this is our first little lore dump that we've really had. This is the first tiny little bit of, oh, hey, this is what Kingdom Hearts is about that we've been able to get. And I guess I'm going to play Snark Advocate here again, because what we were told the Ansem report is that they assumed that their king's studies of the Heartless have been captured by Maleficent and co. And that's how they're controlling the Heartless. But judging from the first report so far, it's just kind of a guy's journal. Yep. The first report is pretty minor. The type of writing that you see in the Ansem reports is what I would normally refer to as lore-obsessed character writing. Dramatic <laughs> obsession. It's metaphysics. Yep, he is exploring the metaphysics of his world. The Ta- darkness-consuming hearts. Yep, he basically has every single little bit of lore that has been sort of mentioned teased out here. This brings me to my little theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, I think, a perfect time to bring up what I call the greater lore theory of video games. In the most basic form, I describe my theory as the danger level of a character 
is directly proportional to the interest that character has in the lore of a world. And the, I think this is probably true, but I think originally you presented it as yeah. well, that's, villains. Yeah, well, that's kind of the point. Another way of saying it is the most dangerous character is the one who cares most about the lore. Most of the time, that is the villain. Sometimes it's not. The type of lore we mean is like it's like the world building lore, like how does the superpower work or yep. how are the planets aligned? What's the secret history of the universe? Stuff that yep. it can be very enjoyable, but it also is kind of just this is just the the colors that fill in the plot most of the time. And that's I was going to I was going to say that my point of argument with John, and this is probably a self-serving argument. Go for it. Because I'm definitely the sort of person if were I to live in a <coughs> fantasy world, Sorry. I would be the most lore obsessed person in the entire world. When you just say that the most dangerous people are the ones who care about the lore enough, it makes sense because even when you have the heroes who are very obsessed with with the lore, or at least the people on the protagonist's side, they tend to be the most dangerous. Yep. Uh, My personal favorite example of a character who knows way too much lore that's on the player's party rather than one of the villains is Saiton from Xenogears. Yeah, I I was going to say Saiton. Exactly. That's exactly who I was thinking of. I mean, I know it's a meme that Saiton is the worst person in existence. (laughs) Saiton knows everything that is going on in Xenogears up until a certain point in the story when all of a sudden Faye becomes the lore dump. That's precisely when Faye becomes the most uh, powerful character in the game. Wow. But What was it we were watching which had a character who was a skeptic about Supernatural but then the second it was proved just real became obsessed with learning about it like not negative just wanting to know everything about it. Oh, what was that? Gosh what was that? I don't I know you I feel like both sympathized with it and became where it was DuckTales. It was, it was DuckTales. Uh, it, was, it was DuckTales. Uh, Violet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Du- yes, DuckTales, the best Final Fantasy cartoon. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to bring up bad wizard novels, but, you know, I, I always, w- whenever I do the the dumb sorting hat stuff, I always get labeled as Slytherin because I always believe in the whole thing of amassing power so that you can use it for good. Or even, you just like snakes. Yep. And so we've we have now hit our fourth episode and our first reference to a bad wizard novel. So I'm going to say at this point, people listening to this podcast, read other books. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that can be a goal for later stuff, too. Yep. If you want something that has the flavor of bad wizard novel, but wow. is actually good, watch Owl House. <laughs> I knew it. Just the warning, Owl House causes obsessive shipping. Yes. Owl House is very good. <laughs> Uh, so at all this, I don't know, maybe while you're looking at this paper that apparently fell out of this guy, uh, Jasmine just gets swiped by something you don't see from behind. Like, uh, yep. you, she hears footsteps and then she's gone. Yep. And then that's it for this plot. Once yep. again, a person here just vanished and you're just buggering out of town and you can't take Aladdin with you because he's not part of the plot. Yep. Aladdin can't But then co- Genie says he's going to come with you after Aladdin frees him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get Genie as a summon once you take the magic lamp to Fairy Godmother and Travis. No, I right? think... I really think he just automatically becomes one because he's not being restored. He's just with you. Okay. He is not as good of a summon in this game as he's in Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> I mean, Genie's being a dick. Like, he said, well, you can wish that I could go find her. He's like, no, I'd rather wish you'd be free. Can you go find her? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> and so... And then yeah. eventually. Yep. So then we... So we finish up on Agrabah. Villain uh, Yep, there's villains doing villain stuff. Melissa and Hades are talking trash about Jafar, who just, like, wastes everything there. And then Riku it's, shows up. And Riku is like, like, you know, you've done such a good job. Thanks for bringing us that girl. So here's where here's where your girl is. You can go find her now. Yep. And he's just fully on board with this, though. 
Yep, Riku <laughs> is ready to join because of Kyrie. <laughs> but the funny thing is, he's acting like he's being cautious. Like, I don't get it. What's in it for you? It's like, what's in it for me? I just want you to be happy, dear boy. Yeah, sure, evil witch. I trust you in that. But he doesn't question more. I kind of have the feeling that one of the things about Maleficent that we don't see, at least this is an assumption that I make, because Maleficent can canonically disguise her appearance. Yep. So it's possible that Riku simply does not see her as we see her in the cutscenes. I appreciate your optimism, but I don't trust Riku that much. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I don't think Kingdom Hearts operates on that level. Mm-hmm. If they show you illusions, you see them directly. Like Kingdom Hearts is not interested in deceiving the player unless it's pretty clear that it's trying to deceive the player, which yeah. I respect. Remember, <laughs> like, I, I feel like is, this is one thing Riku has in common with Sora. They're weirdly willing to give people a fair shake to listen. Riku act, I'm too cool about it, but he still just listens to everything he's being told by the first people he met. Yep. There is no fantasy racism or appearance discrimination uh, in Riku or Sora. Yep. Yeah. Well, Sora likes his duck and dog friends, so. so. And then Captain Hook shows up. Yep. I think Maleficent is always an interesting character in Kingdom Hearts because she is actually the most consummate villain in the entire thing. She is entirely willing to cut her losses at the appropriate time when it becomes at all clear that the sunk cost fallacy is going to cost her. She tends to definitely try not to overestimate herself. She at least has a a decent idea that they're messing with some serious bad juju here. So try not to get yourself absorbed in it. Yep. You you can question her results there, but she's very much the conservative, cautious villain. She knows the most lore of any of the characters there, which is why she is trying to play it smart. (laughs) Honestly, Riku dove into the bad life choices pile head first. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he he is that age, right? He's the rebellious teenager. But since they don't have parents in this game as much, instead of rebelling against the parents, he's kind of rebelling against good life choices. Against, right. so, against society. <laughs> no. no. Uh, yeah. are, are we going people. to do the society people. memes now? People, well, watch people other movies. Now I just got the image of Riku with Joker makeup on, and no. we're oh, responsible Please, for no. this. Please, no. Watch other movies. I, I'm begging you. <laughs> I'm holding you responsible for this, Jared. I have, yeah, I have enough bad karma. I accept that. <laughs> and meanwhile, we get back out on our ship. We're flying our way to Atlantica. Everything is going great. Well, and, and then a whale eats us. Yeah, and, a space and, whale. So and guess the what? space whale is a sea whale. I mean, I actually want to take a moment to talk about character in the origin. Go for it. Please in Pinocchio, do. that's about as, almost as far back as you get in the Disney movies. It's one of the first. I'd have to check the exact order because I always have a bad memory of that. And I don't know how much like, you have really strong memories of early Pinocchio, a Pinocchio like from your childhood. I just I, remember Pinocchio being really messed up. Like, it is just a, like it's, it's a surprisingly dark movie, right? Yeah. Like, well, there's the fairy man who, if you recall, has the devil's own grin. And Monstro himself is pretty terrified. I mean, that's yeah. a standout segment. That whale, if you if you go back to watch the animation, is truly remarkable old style animation. It's just well, this also, massive, well-drawn whale in the chase. This is one thing I never knew. Maybe Jared or John will actually know more about this. Isn't Pinocchio, or at least the monstro part of it, also a biblical reference to Elijah and the whale? Jonah. Or jo- oh, Jonah. As much as anything we're consumed by a giant fish and then survive is, you could say that. I don't know if you call it directly there, but... I feel like whales in general are a very good mythic archetype for yes. whales. All the way back to the Leviathan. <laughs> yep. They're a very good mythic archetype for whales. 
What does the whale represent? It represents a whale. It doesn't represent anything else. Shut up, 11th grade English teacher. Does, does anyone remember the coachman from Pinocchio? Mm-mm. I'm going to show you an image. I want to make it clear. The two images there are kind of like the face flows between these two images in one line. So it. I'm sending it to you guys to look at. I mean, this is the coachman. He is taking kidnapped kids. He's buying them and taking them to Pleasure Island or tricking them to it. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's already horrifying. So here's what he looks like it. normally. All right. Him. Yeah. But do you. OK. So you remember that look of him, like the guy in the big red coat and that. But I have to ask. Do you remember this? Oh, wow. I did not remember that. <laughs> yeah. That face flows into it. He, in the middle of the line, he just grins. His, his skin turns red. His eyes turn green. A massive grin there. His, even his ears seem to point upwards. So his hair is helping with it. I just nice. remember that Dumbo is from nearly the same era. And I remember that movie being pretty fucked up, too. And Bambi is the same era, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, no, Bambi somewhat later. You're right about Dumbo. It's one of the earliest. Basically, Pinocchio comes from a really warped old 19th century novel, which was kind of full of weird sex jokes and like the puppet being hung from a noose at one point. And so you got a really strange old novel. It happens to be Italian source. You can kind of tell from the naming there. Yeah. And with Dumbo, you just kind of they kind of went all in on animal cruelty. Yep, that they did. Let's talk about Monstro a bit more. (laughs) Anyway, about Monstro, we don't really get too much of the plot of Pinocchio other than, you know, just, oh, Geppetto and Pinocchio and the whale. Yep. So Mm -hmm. the game also has finally reminded us that Jiminy Cricket is along for the ride with us. Remember Jiminy, guys? Yeah. Jiminy's there because Pinocchio shows up and for some reason Donald also knows who he is. Yeah. He's the one who calls him by name. So that's Pinocchio. Wait, Pinocchio? Still not doing a Donald voice. (laughs) Geppetto doesn't really go back to any kind of home world after this. Geppetto ends up setting up shop in... Traverse Town, mm-hmm. once we finish this level, and sells gummy ships. So we've kind of gone all over the place here. Yeah, hey, first I said, Jiminy's the one who identifies monster before he eats you. Like, he's like, this monster, he's a whale of a whale. Thanks, you really contribute a lot. <laughs> yep. And then Sora, when they're eaten, Sora has a flashback. I don't know if they give a year. I think it's supposed to be like nine, ten years ago, whatever. Like, they're, it's Sora and Riku as little kids. And Sora's talking about how he saw a huge monster out in the ocean, because of course. Mm-hmm. And like, Riku's like, yeah, that's boring. You're making stuff up. And then they go to see a place and they said, that's boring. Let's go meet that girl who showed up at the mayor's house. Mm. (laughs) But Rico's still already talking about leaving the island. Apparently, he just never liked where he lived. Sounds about right. Well, you know, teenagers do get the whole wanderlust thing. You know, it's kind of a a, A five-year-olds or sorry, little kids also get the (laughs) wanderlust, too, because, you know, there's a cliche in America about every kid trying at least once or thinking at least once of running away and all that kind of stuff. True. And then, so then Sora wakes up, and for some reason, Goofy's doing shtick. It's like he's holding a shield while debris falls on him and says, like, well, expect showers for today's weather. He almost literally says, I don't know where that comes from. He decided he needed to make a goof, because he's Goofy. Of course he did. Goofy goof. But so then finally we reach Pinocchio, and Pinocchio's stealing bits of your ship. Mm Mm-hmm. Like he's carrying a gummy block. Yep. (laughs) Uh, I think we can't leave Monstro until we finish this level. Yeah, basically because the way out is through the plot. Yep. So Monstro is different from a lot of the other worlds in that rather than just like a world itself, it is just a whale in space. It's also different from all the other worlds in that it is the worst chaos maze of them all. We're really (laughs) showing how much we love this game today. Yeah, really. (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll be able to praise at least one thing in this. Uh, Well, first, we'll first we work our way through the mouth section, which is just full of ship wreckage. So he's found a lot of wooden ships to eat out in space. I'm not sure how, but. And in there we find Geppetto's wrecked boat. It's our safe point and it's our little hub for this entire expedition into the whale's gut. 
at least Pinocchio wasn't stealing the gummy boxes for fun. He says, Geppetto, I found this random thing. Can we use it to get out? But once you go into Monstro, you start to notice a few things. Hmm. First is that every room looks identical. And the identical is just like purple covered with random blobby color shapes. Yeah. The textures are garish, psychedelic in a bad way, and completely disorienting. It's like Lord Jabu Jabu in Zelda Ocarina of Time, but worse. Yeah. Jabu Jabu at least had a fairly structured layout and you had a map. You do not have either of those here. You never they, have any sort of map in this game. Yeah, yeah. The next thing that's awful is that every room has multiple entrances and exits. Multiple. If I could jump in, the third thing is awful is several of those entrances are up on platforms that you can't reach if you jump down or yeah. get knocked down. Yep. Yeah. Like, they all go random places. Yep. It is an utter nightmare. Stuff for heartless. It, oh, yeah. Every single room just like pukes heartless all over the place. Were there any it, new ones in Monstro? It basically has a little bit of everything. It actually has search ghosts, you might see, and pirates. Okay. okay. It, basically, it, it has everything. I'm looking at the list there. It lists everything from shadows through through barrel spiders. Oh, yeah. Oh, barrel spiders. They upgraded to pot spiders that explode. I think actually Monstro adds more as you find enemies. I guess it just kind of fits the theme of he eats everything that's there. He eats everything, including Heartless. So you're just being swarmed. Like I said before, and I'm constantly angry about, you don't get to be able to open treasure chests as long as there's enemies field, and they do some pretty bad waves. Is Geppetto's cat in this? Uh, No, I do not believe so. Figaro doesn't appear. That's disappointing. I believe his fish appears. Yeah, the fish that constantly farts with people in the cartoon. Yeah, the, you, I do agree with you guys. That it's a pretty weird movie. The, the whole point is Monstro, the only justification, I think, for its design is that it makes you really, really wish you had a higher jump. And then it gives then you, you a higher jump. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even with then, you still might find yourself knocked down, knocked out, and then you get disoriented. You're screwed because if you get turned around, you don't know where you are. Yeah, it is, in my opinion, the worst level in the game. And, of course, you immediately have to run into it because he just vanishes. Yeah, Pinocchio goes away, and so you have to go hunt him down through the horrible maze. And what do you meet that also decided to hang out in this whale? Riku. Yep. Why is he in there? Because uh, he wants to find a puppet that has a heart. Did he, so we just saw a whale. So I bet that has a heart puppet inside it. Yeah, Did he basically. make? Did he, we saw him traveling with Captain Hook. Did Hook throw him in the whale, or is yeah. his ship hiding in there somewhere? I have no idea. <laughs> And now Riku, he's kind of going full psycho at this point. You find Pinocchio a couple chambers in. It's like, this is no time for games. He's like, but Sora, I thought you liked games. And, you know, that's just basically the moment the restraining order needs to happen is when someone says that to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you too cool to play your games? And he's just running off with this small child now. And the creepiness factor is through the roof. I yep. mean, am I being unfair? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Riku took a look at the darkness and said, hey, that shit looks great. I'm going to do that. (laughs) Even the other villains are saying, you want to be careful with that darkness. Mm -hmm. Meh. Meh. How about I do anyway? (laughs) So then Riku catches up with Maleficent inside the whale as well. This place really has a lot of people in it. Yep. Okay, so we do fight the prison cage at the very end, correct? I think you fight it twice. Like, you fight it in the middle, and then it fights again. Because I know you fight it, and I actually do think the fight in this Kingdom Hearts is good. Chain of Memories is not good. Oh, I hated that one so bad. We'll get to that. I have a lot to say yep. about Chain of Memories. Yes, you fight it twice, because Riku, you fight it with Riku like he's helping you. Parasite Cage. Yep. Which literally is just this big, blobby vine thing with huge vines it, so with a cage mouth. 
it's a cartoony, heartless version of a boss from Final Fantasy IX. Oh, right. What was that thing called again? Uh, right. It is called the Prison Cage. And it, so it's Parasite Cage in Kingdom Hearts, and it's Prison Cage in Final Fantasy IX. There we go. In the evil, in the evil <laughs> forest. Yep. It is one of the first bosses you fight. The first one you fight has grabbed Garnet, and the second one has Vivi, and Vivi helps you out from inside it. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. So basically, with the Parasite Cage, you and Riku kind of fight together. Riku's doing his own thing, shooting lightning, sometimes swiping at it. You beat it down. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of runs off, right? And, the, and then and then Riku grabs Pinocchio again. Not many puppets have hearts. I'm not sure. Maybe he can help someone who's lost theirs. Mm-hmm. Is he saying anything? It doesn't sound like just the biggest villain cliche lines possible here. Is the reason hey. I'm quoting? Hey, someone gave him some lore. So just also to support my theory here, Riku is learning a lot about lore and is becoming significantly more dangerous. Sora does not give a shit about the lore. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Sora thinks Riku's being a little weird. Like, he's like, what yeah. are you doing? Come on, man. And while his friend is like, just all even, but foaming. Even though Sora has picked up the answer report and presumably has read it, he does not care and does not mention anything from it. Sora is immune to lore, and that is why he's the protagonist. <laughs> this ahead, this ahead, could Matt, be a great opportunity to tickle John in a particular spot, because <laughs> I would say that this is a great example of somebody getting Gnosis without really being ready for it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Do we want to hit that <laughs> no, here or no, save that for no, later in Riku's no. arc? Uh, Kingdom Hearts is not that Gnostic yet. It kind of is Gnostic. But the uh, whole idea of all the worlds were originally one and then they've been separated from each other is very Gnostic. I think that comes up like late in this game. Like there's a cutscene yeah. that talks about it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's ever addressed again, is it? Maybe. We'll talk about it. It's like, it's like an old fairy tale. Sora is hearing about half of what Riku's saying. It's like, wait, are you saying stuff about Kairi? And Riku's like, what do you care about her? Because, you know, he spent two minutes not thinking about Kairi, so that's a sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you find Pinocchio knocked out with Riku and after more chaos maze running and Sora's like man Riku this is you know this isn't funny anymore you should let him go and, and Riku's like no let's kill the puppet see if that helps us and he's yep. surprised that Sora doesn't think that's okay yep puppet has a heart I need it now <laughs> yeah he has a conscience at least <laughs> Jiminy shows up because you know we're gonna remember that yep Jiminy, and gets, in, Jiminy gets to do something for a, yeah. for a world, which is very strange because this isn't a side game. I mean, Pinocchio says, Jiminy, I'm not going to make it. And then his nose grows, so apparently his body knows when he's lying. It doesn't know it. Yep. <laughs> and he's just fine. He fights the yep. parasite cage again. Yep. I don't know how to describe the scene. It's really weird. It's kind of a confused mess of plot. I, I do barely remember it all just because I don't like that level. <laughs> so then we go back to Riku, who's back on Hook's ship, talking to Wilson about Kyrie's unconscious. Mm-hmm. And Kyrie's there in a coma. Yep. Wilson says, get the seven princes at heart. Well, everything will work. And now, only now, Maleficent zaps Riku with green energy. And now you can control the heartless. What has he been doing before now? Mm. Finally, Monster this- got sick of all this bullshit and just coughs you out. There's been, there's been multiple <laughs> fights with lightning inside his stomach. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Monstro is a confusing mess, and I don't want to talk about it for much longer. <laughs> yeah. So good, the good news is we've reached the end. Yeah. So basically the summit up there, you just you just get sneezed out. You're back in the gummy ship, though you were nowhere near it. And you just go back to Traverse Town, and you can just see Pinocchio there with Geppetto. Yep. And you can buy gummy ship uh can you buy parts or can you just buy blueprints? I would just buy all the blueprints and just run through them and see if I could make anything. Pretty much never. Yep. It's annoying as heck. Yeah. So even <laughs> if we were just busy, very frustrated this world, you can see the worlds have gotten longer, denser, and the plot's starting to intrude. So things are escalating. Yep. The 
things are moving forward, even though we had to go through a couple of an annoying mazes to do it. There's a bit of hope. There was a good level and maybe some good fights. I, I, I do note that we didn't seem to find Parasite Cage's fight worth mentioning. It, it is a weird fight. It's kind it's, of blank. You just kind of hit at yeah. it. You hit its arm, so it's done. Yep, it's pretty simple. Next time, we got we go through the rest of the second set of Disney worlds. So yep. It's a section with a total of five, so we got three to talk about. So until next time, I'm John. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best when shared with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release.